Hello, and welcome to Forgotten People. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Forgotten People was originally created for the homeless situation we have in Los Angeles and the mentally ill situation we have in Los Angeles. If you listen to episode one, we have a doctor on there speaking about the mental illness situation in the, in the homeless uh, position in in uh, Los Angeles. It's been reworked to focus on Black Lives Matters. So the title and, 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 the, and, and the content don't necessarily match, but... Uh, we, you know, we made it work. <laughs> Today we have a special guest, uh, Leo, Leo Renee Kay. We can't wait to speak to her. She's a wonderful guest. Uh, I've spoke to her earlier today. She was a wonderful human being. You know, just before she comes on right now, you know, I was going to the supermarket. I was going to the market the other day. And you know, one of the tellers, you know, and we all make friends wherever we go. We make friends with people. I think that's Leah. Hello? Hi, Leah. You called the wrong number. What's that? You called the wrong number. You need to call 515-602-9609. It's not going through. Oh, no, it'll go through. 515-602-9609. Well, there you go. <laughs> so anyways, I was talking to... <laughs> it's live, baby. I was talking to uh, one of the tellers at the, at the market. And um, she's asking, you know, how are things going? And how's your life? And, and what have you been up to? And I told her, you know, I, you know I've been protesting and been... You know, it's been difficult. And she goes, no, not you. And I, I, I didn't realize that she thought that I was looting. And there you are. I see you there. Okay, hold on a second, girl. But there's a, listen, there's a difference between looting anarchists and people who are peacefully protesting. Okay? Anarchists just want to see the world burn. It doesn't matter who wins. It doesn't matter who loses. They just want to see the world burn. It's the only thing they care about. Looters are taking advantage of the situation. They're, they're just thieves. They're just criminals. Now, somebody else can give me a call right now at 515-602-9609, and I dare you, I dare you to give me some kind of reason why looters are okay. I dare you, dude. I dare you. But while I was peacefully protesting in Los Angeles, Santa Monica, and what have you, I saw the looters run over to the opposite side of the city where the police officers were not keeping an eye on the city and looting. Now, I remember when I, when I protested, and I was working for the police department back then in 92. I prose- protested back then for for black rights for black lives matters for rodney king and people people looted but there was no marketing there was no apple stores there were no shoe stores there was no instagram in 92 there was no facebook so people looted like milk and burnt down buildings and 
black owned businesses had to put up signs saying black owned, black owned. That's why you see in these days right now, people are putting up signs saying black owned. It's go, it goes all the way back saying it's black owned. Please don't burn down my business. So it's not a very complicated issue for me, at least. We have a right as Americans. We pay taxes. We serve this country. We go to, we go to war for this country. We pay out of our pocket like 10.25 taxes on everything we do. So police officers and judges and, 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 and teachers get everything they can. And, and, and people in, in government get all the money they can to do everything they can for us. In the meantime, we have the right to peacefully protest if we disagree with you without a tear gas can blowing up my face or some plastic bullet hitting me in the shin. We have the right to peacefully protest. And I believe that 100%. I know a lot of people that were very angry at me for protesting. I don't know why, but I don't really care. But I believe in the right to protest. So there's a difference between anarchists, rioters, and protesters. So I just want you to keep that in mind. So let's let's bring on our guest here. Let's bring on Leah. Leah, let's give her a clap track here. Do 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 do. Thank you. Hi everybody. Hey girl, how you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm I'm really glad that I chimed in just as you were talking about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, to get that insight about how you feel about that. No worries. Uh, if you wouldn't mind bringing the microphone closer to your mouth so we can get we can hear you a little louder, yeah. that'd be fantastic. How's that? Little less, actually. I can't hear you at all. Mm-hmm. How about now? That's a little better. Uh oh. Okay. What about if I off the speaker? How about that? Are you on speaker? I am on speaker. Do you want me to take it off? Yeah, take off a speaker, yeah. Okay, now I'm not on speaker. How's that? That is good. There you go. Okay, good. Okay, hi. So, yeah, how are you doing? I am right now. I, I'm doing right now. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing right now. I'm really glad to be here. <laughs> really glad, glad to be here. This is, it, it was it was tough to make make our schedules work. And I'm I'm really glad you you joined us today. It was a, it was a blessing. But uh, you know I, I you know I listened to your uh, remarks earlier today that you prepared, and it was very inspirational. It was very nice, and it made a lot of sense. Um, what what made you want to write something? Uh, out for people to understand about what's going on here in America. Hey, and by the way, you, before we get to that, you, you, you mentioned that you, you're glad that I, I mentioned the, uh, the, the, the writing and, and the protesting. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Um, it, it makes sense because that's what I'm trying to explain to my children right now, because yeah. a lot of my kids understand why any sort of stealing is not okay. But my children who are, 18, almost seven, almost nine and almost seven also understand that they're stealing that happens 
on grander levels because I've always taught them about that. And so that I know a lot of people are talking about that right now, like, okay, there's real looters. You know, there's like the people who are taking from the Gucci store, and then there are people who have been really robbing America for years or even right now during this pandemic. Like, okay, why are these people who are keeping us afloat only getting minimum wage while they're, you know? So there's all types of levels of looting. And yeah. so I, yeah. So, you know, and even my children, like they're aware of that, you know? Um, so I, I'm really glad because it really ties up loose ends for how I feel about it. And um, uh, any way that I can learn um, how other people feel, uh, you know, so it, it was a great, it was great to, I didn't know that you felt that way about looting. Some people make jokes about it. Um, there's nothing funny about it. People have worked I mean, all, they're life savings, and now, you know, everything's gone. And some people did not have insurance. And right. unfortunately, um, it happens to be that a lot of black-owned companies did not have insurance. That's right. And, again, it comes down to this part. It's like, okay, I understand you've owned, you have you put everything into it. But, what you know, but and people are like, well, don't you have insurance? No, I really don't. Right. And it comes down to education, like, oh, you thought that you could have this business and you didn't know. So it comes down to even that. It's like, why don't black owned companies, why, why aren't some more established black owned companies going into black neighborhoods saying, Hey, did you know you have to have insurance? Did you know you can't you know, X, Y's and Z's about, so it comes down to financial literacy. It comes down to all of those things. And so I think that, this is a huge wake-up call for everybody. This looting is a huge wake-up call for every type of insurance that we need to have. And um, yeah, it's, I, I it's saw I saw this I saw this one this one woman in Santa Monica who was protecting the looters. They're going into a it was um protecting was them. Clo- yeah, yes, it was a clothing store, and it's on television. You you can find mm-hmm. it on YouTube. She was putting out her hands to protect these guys who were getting out of the building. And I thought to myself. This is that's pretty evil, you know. It's uh, like you're you're not protecting like a cop from like being right. killed by other, like black black you know black <laughs> protesters. You're not protecting people from like you know shotgun shells. You're protecting guys who are trying to steal from a business that you believe that they have <sighs> insurance. By the way, they were individually owned and owned by immigrants, so they were they were not <sighs> a chain and they didn't have insurance. You know, and, and <sighs> I see her like like trying to protect them it's like do you think you're doing something righteous is this is this your platform is this the platform you're standing on that that you're allowing people to steal from other people that that's going to somehow make a difference in this world yeah this has nothing to do with the protest stealing is stealing is stealing and what i would challenge any body in position of anybody who would say take this opportunity to say hey I don't know if you realize it, but you were caught on social media kicking down the doors of Dior. And now that you have a Dior gown, could you just be smart and not wear it for like a whole year? Because if you are seen with a Dior bag or Dior gown, wait until yeah. Mother's Day of next year to give it to your mom because you're going to people are going to notice like you are carrying a nine thousand dollar purse. Like we know the difference between the real ones and the fake ones. And just wait a whole year before you start sporting all that because I'm sure, you know, and did you know that it, like, we saw your face? Um, but, it, but here's the thing. Are, here's, 
here's what I wonder. Are people, I think it's great. I love the fact that a lot of people are stepping up and bailing people out because they've been arrested for peacefully pro- protesting. Right. I just hope that nobody is freeing the people who have been arrested for looting. No, you need to sit. You need yeah. to sit. You, you need to are sit not. <laughs> you need to sit down. You time out. You're going to jail. Yeah. Um. No. So I don't, yeah. No. Don't protect you, you, those. Well, no. There, there's okay. been there's been uh, there's been murders with with, with the with the looting. There's been killings. Yeah. The one one officer was killed, and I know. Uh, you know other people have been killed. It's like it's just so horrible. And you know, it, it only gives a lot of these politicians who think of protesters as animals ammunition to think of them more as animals. And it's like, no, no, no. There's a huge difference between an anarchist, a protester, and a looter. There's a, there's a big difference. And an anarchist is the one who just picks up a brick and wants to you know, yell at a cop. Communication is all about letting people understand what you're trying to say. Now, I understand people are pissed. But if you're just yelling in a person's ear, they're going to shut you off in five seconds. I mean, we've all been in relationships. That have, we've that have all turned... been in relationships. You don't get <laughs> now. I, I, yeah, don't, you don't get now. This may tick some people off, but as a yeah. woman, who now I'm a martial artist. Yeah. My father was a tenth degree black belt. I, I I I do I do not get in a man's face. <laughs> Yeah. What do you think yeah. is going to happen? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a martial just, artist myself. I've been teaching for over 30 okay. years, so I, I understand okay, exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Just, yeah. You just, what do you think is going to happen? Like you said, we've all been in relationships. We know what happens yeah. when we get in our mom's face when we were a teenager. What do yeah. you think is you're going to get popped? Like, do not yeah. get in somebody's face. You do not have yeah. the right. And because words hurt, words do hurt. And, yeah. and it, it's true. You can't just think that you're because you're not assaulting that officer. Um, of course. You would hope that now we have seen we have all these definitions that you've laid out of these right. these types subtypes. We've also seen police officers masking themselves and going around breaking windows and pretending to be looters right. uh, and you know exactly. an anarch- anarchist. We, so I don't right. know what to call them yet. I don't know what to call you yet. I don't know um, what to call them stop. either. I, I've seen I've seen a lot of <laughs> a lot of you know. There's a great video of like a, a couple of white women going out there and, and, you know, tagging Black Lives Matters and, and, and a black woman stopping them going like, hey, what are you doing that for? You know, like they're going to blame us for what you're doing. And they didn't have any answer for what she was trying to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, they're going to blame us. You're, you're a bunch of white they're gonna blame, could you? Yeah. Could you not do that? Um, thanks for trying to help. But that doesn't really help. My cousin's going <laughs> yeah, to go to jail for that. Yeah, no. you're not really you're not really you're not really participating and helping the way you should. But, you know, you do, yeah. you do have a something that you wrote. And, and I do want to hear that, if you don't mind sharing that with our audience right now. Uh, it was very special. And, and if you don't mind sharing that, I, I'd love to hear it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, right now, I can tell you without telling you the name of the officer He just wrote me this, and then I will share that. He said, Leah, thanks for your respectful, open conversation, as well as your thoughts into problem solving and not just problem voicing. As soon as I saw your email, I reviewed the exact language related to our police oath and office, our law enforcement code of ethics, our department value statement, our vision statement, our mission statement, which we all swear to and or sign off on becoming a police officer in, you know, anonymous city. 
These are also reviewed periodically within our required training, which includes ethics training. So he gave me all those links, and he confirmed that he's not at liberty to release exactly what's in these internal statements, but that what I have written, it's not in those statements. So he's like, yeah, we do need this mission statement. And he said that he's willing to swear to it. He's like, you know what? That's what's missing. We don't have a mission statement to where I am swearing in saying I am going to serve and protect regardless of your race. And the, it, it seems like something that a kindergartner would say, that, you know, but we right. need to go back to that. And that's what the problem is. We're not speaking the same language. And so what came to me, a, it was several nights ago at four in the morning, I just got up and I started thinking, okay, I've made it a point to not look at the news today. I just, I, I can't look at the news today. There's too many. It, it was, it was the day where the 70 year old white man was pushed over and left and his head was bleeding and the officers just walked past him. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, this is enough. I was like that. I can't deal with the news right now. It's too much. And so I started to really lean in more to God. I was like, let, can you just give me a word? Because I have a degree in communication and PR. I understand crisis management. Oh, that's what's happening. We need a PR person to negotiate something. And I was like, oh, well, that's me. How about I just do it free of charge? Like, here, I'll just give you guys a solution. And so I wrote it out. I pretended that I was being paid by the police department to write out this. And so I, I made it a point the next day to – I was like, I'm going to post it. And I asked some friends, hey, if I post this, will you repost it? And they're like, that's a good idea. But then all of a sudden I was having lunch, leaving a lunch um, meeting, and all of a sudden there were six police officers, well, six cop cars outside of this nail salon next to this restaurant. And I was like, oh, no, what's happening? This is the safest neighborhood. We don't have any of this. And so um, and I was just explaining to somebody who was new in the neighborhood how he's in a very safe neighborhood. We don't have any problems here. And he started laughing. He's like, why do you have six cars? And I looked. I was like, oh, my, six cruisers. And so I said, you know what, if some, I I hate to say this, but I just thought, you know what, there's some girl who can't afford to pay. And all of a sudden she's going to be arrested because she can't afford to pay. So I walked in this nail salon and I said to the officers, I was like, if this is, and I saw two young black girls in an all white salon. And I said, if they can't afford to pay and they're going to be arrested, can I just please pay? Cause I don't want them to go to jail. And so he says, actually, it's not about that. It has to do with um, a deeper theft issue as far as a car is concerned. He was like, however. As a black black woman yourself, you you felt like you needed to stick up for two two other black women about that situation? Oh, no. Even if they were white. I didn't care if they were white. My mother's white. My children are white. Like, I love anybody. I just, I didn't know who was in trouble. But I asked. I said to the officers, like, hi, I'm just somebody in the neighborhood, but I'm also a chaplain and I'm in ministry and I love people. And I said, if there's an issue with somebody not being able to pay, can I just pay for them so they don't go to jail? And he said, well, it's, and, and so I said, um, you know, are they young? Are they old? And he says, oh no, it's, and he looked over, he wasn't supposed to tell me who it was, but he kind he looked over their way and he says, no, this actually has to do with a deeper theft issue with a car that they, they're they not supposed to be in possession of. He said, right. he said, otherwise, I would let you pay. So I was like, oh, well, 
okay, well, I can't help with that. Okay. He started laughing. He's like, yeah, well, thanks for trying. And I was like, I just, I just feel like right now, the less people get arrested, I don't care what it's for. We should all help each other. And he's like, no, I respect it. That's cool. So then I said, you know what? Last night I couldn't sleep. I wrote this mission statement and I was wondering if you would look at it. Would you swear to something like this? Would you, is this something you can get behind? He's like, let me see it. So he looked at it. And he's like, absolutely. I would absolutely swear to that. He's like, that we don't have anything like that. So then I asked another officer outside. He said the same thing. And so he had me forward it to him. And then he said he would give it to the captain. And so that's what's going on now. I'm just waiting for this police department to say, hey, we could be the first in the nation to just, and he even said, he said, I, all we have to do, and I, this is what I told them. I said, how about this? This is, if I were your PR people, this is what I would say. You just let the nation know, hey, we have a new mission statement. It has anti-racist language. Just like we tell people three strikes, you're out. It's the same with our police department. If I do three things that are racist, racially motivated, I'm out. You know, it's the same thing. And I think that people would respect that, you know. And so he's, yeah, so that's where I am now. Um, So I was just writing him back. I said, I respect you so very much for taking time to listen and for your diligence in researching what is and what isn't there as far as policies and mission statements. I will continually pray for you and your family for the rest of my life and know that we met for a great reason. So I just sent that a couple minutes ago to that officer. So what nice. you wanted me to read was, um, thank you, it's the mission statement. What I titled it was the you know, solution you, you to the current. That, you mentioned that your mother was, was, was white. Yes. But your I'm father was a biracial black. woman. Yeah. Yeah. My mother is, I'm, I'm Jewish on both sides. Um, my mother's yeah. whole side is blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah. Yeah. My kids are blonde hair, blue eyed. And yeah. Um, yeah. And then my dad is from the Bahamas and his father's from Ethiopia. Yeah. So we'll mix. Nice. That's a, that's we'll a mix. wonderful, that's a wonderful mix. So, so please tell, <laughs> tell, tell us about, tell us about the uh, letter. I want to hear it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. When considering a plan to end violence while advancing the mission of peace and anti-racism for everyone. I am aware that community and professional leadership is needed. I would like to make a proposal that focuses on the needs of our entire nation. I don't suggest unrealistic expectations of officers. What I am proposing is realistic and needs to happen because citizens and law enforcement professionals need to speak the same language The language has to be made plain. Here it is. I do suggest a new mission statement be drafted by all police departments in the United States of America. And I challenge them. I said in the next 48 hours, the mystery mission statement that is on a piece of paper. And I say that because even this this police officer confirmed, I can't tell you what's in the mission statement, but I know that that's not there. I know that we don't have anti-racist language in it. So he says, the, I said, the mystery mission statement that is on a piece of paper somewhere in a drawer needs to go away. It's time for a new mission statement to be created by police departments. They should become so loud and clear that they should be written on the hearts of every police officer. And this should be proven. If cops don't know the mission, something's missing, like a realistic mission statement. I believe there are probably thousands of missions with flowery language and foundational values are not written on the hearts of women who men and men who probably 
do want to remember why they became officers. So I challenge all departments to rewrite their mission statements and require that during roll call, it'll be looked over and signed before reporting to duty. So I've written one for you. Mission statement. I will serve and protect everyone regardless of their race. I stand committed to serve and protect and unite at solidarity as an anti-racist officer. I will seek to further the development and implementation of strategies and best practices that dismantle racism and ethnic oppression within all aspects of my life and within all aspects of our police department. I aim to provide equal access to being served and protected, and I aim to provide quality outcomes of enforcing the law. I do have power over life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and I will not abuse that power by racially profiling or treating suspects as criminals. I will look upon every suspect as innocent until proven guilty because I stand committed to providing equal. I will enforce the law with the highest integrity, and if I am found in violation of the statement, I will resign immediately. And during that process of investigation, I will submit to counseling. If I am found in violation of the mission statement twice, I will accept unpaid leave, and the third time will result in turning in my badge. I will uphold this mission statement and also pledge to help fellow officers uphold this mission statement. And the side note was that the mission statement has to be tailored, of course, to include the degrees to which counseling is an option, because as we know, Counseling may not be an option when there are some violations that will never be excused. So let's say you drop the N-word during an arrest. Oh, there's strike one. Somebody heard you. You need to, re- you need to report as an officer. Hey, you know what? They used some racist language. And it should count as a strike. It should. You know what I mean? Or when you say things like, you people. You know, like there are certain things that you have to yeah. unlearn. And because I really believe that it has to come down to unlearning, I do not – racism is a disease, but it's also something that's taught. It's all mixed up. That's what – it's the same argument as an addiction. People are like, no, this is – this runs in my blood. This is something we – our family can't help. Well, then why don't we look at racism that way? If Paul set you on the knee and told you that the color black was bad, you cannot be upset at that kid if he grows to be a man who's extremely racist. You can't. He was a child. He was entrusted to, you know, this family, and this is what was produced. But there are also black people who train their children. And I personally, as a biracial woman, I have had plenty of friendships that have ended because they didn't know I had white children. And they would say things, you know, some of these black female friends of mine would say, oh, I wouldn't do a dang on thing for a white person. And I was like, oh, (laughs) my mom's white. My kids are white. What? They're like, what do you mean? And I was like, yeah, you want um." What do you, I was like, so you want me to train my kids to do right by you, but you're going to train your kids to hate white people? This isn't going to work, you know? And I can say that that was even most recently in my life. But I can say that even as a biracial woman, what I've experienced the most – now, I have been – let me just tell you. I have been assaulted by a police officer before. I have been called the N-word by a police officer before, more than once in my life. I have called the cops. In Cincinnati, Ohio, because two white women spit in my face and called me the N-word over a parking spot. And so I thought, well, I live in a high-fluent neighborhood. 
and this is my neighborhood. And I told them, I said, this is my neighborhood, and I'm calling the cops. You really think you can call me? You know, you, you call me. I'm calling the cops. And some people had witnessed it outside of Starbucks. They were like, call the cops, call the cops. And so I did. And when the cops came, they talked to those white women first. And I said, excuse me, um, I called. They spit in my face. And he put his hand up. And he said, shut your mouth. And I was like, uh, uh. And I just knew, oh, no, I, uh, I think I'm going to be in trouble. And I just something came over me like, wow, uh, I'm scared now. And so sure enough, I – Right when he came over, I was in the middle of telling what happened. And when I said, and then they called me a nit. And he said, because you are a nit. And he called it to, he, yeah. And he cuffed me and he threw me down to the ground and drugged wow. me to the car, screaming and crying. And he, uh, yeah, threw me in the back. And then he said, oh, okay. Oh, you're a three time felon. I said, what are you talking about? I've never even had a speeding ticket. And he says, oh, Leah Arson. I said, that woman is, and I'll never forget saying this, that woman is black. I said, that woman is black, and she's four foot seven. I'm like, I am five nine. I am biracial. And I'll never forget him saying, he's like, you're black. And he said, and I was like, that was the first time where I was trying to get out of being black. I was like, I, she's black. You know what I mean? I'm like, what? <laughs> and he, no. He, he's like, so at this were, point, like, I've all. You were, actually, you were actually trying to argue the fact that you were yeah. not as black as the I person that he, was, that he was claiming. <laughs> that's, wow. That, <gasps> that, I, yeah. That, that's, that must he, be hard he, to admit. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It, it, yeah, I've never actually admitted this story this way before. You're the, you've heard this firsthand. <laughs> I yeah. tried to get out of being super black. Sure did. I like she yeah. is black, and sure enough, it just settled. He turned around. He's like, "You are black." Took me to some police station. Didn't let me use the bathroom. Never arrested me. Just kept me in a cell for hours, screaming at me, torturing me, and would not let me go get my kid out of school. Now, what he didn't know. I was married to a very wealthy white man at the time. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, when I finally got my phone call, my very wealthy white husband came and got me out. And of course, all the charges have been dropped. But I was called the N-word, body slammed, and treated like I would have still been sitting in jail to this day if I were not married to a wealthy white man. I already know that's the truth of it because they were never going to unlock that cell ever, ever. And how many times does that happen? I moved away from Cincinnati because of that. I said, I will never go back to that place again. And my brother was a Morehouse man from Atlanta. He worked for Procter & Gamble at the time. Himself and some other men quit from Procter & Gamble because they were called boys by upper-level executives. And my brother was fresh out of college. Now, my brother waited until he became an upper-level executive, and then he quit. And now he's still an upper-level executive for a huge company. But he said, I am not your boy. And literally, like, a lot of them quit the same day. I'm not your boy. And so, you know, you can be light-skinned and still – it doesn't matter. But then you can also be white and experience racism. Like, so it's not – you know, my daughter, my daughter's blonde hair, blue-eyed, fine baby girl hair. She is the whitest thing you could ever – and – my God, she gets, there are girls at school who wear shirts that say black girl magic. And my daughter wanted to play with them. They won't let her play at school because she's not black. And she says, "What, mom, 
They said, because I'm not black, I don't have black girl magic. So I had to challenge these parents. How would you like my daughter to wear a shirt that says white girl magic? <laughs> like, you can't wear this stuff and it demand equal. What are you talking about? Stop with these right. groups. Stop with all of this. Mm. I'm not having it. Stop with your black women professional groups and your black men. You don't, we don't need to divide. We need to speak the same language. Everybody needs to speak the same language. You can't right. do that. If we can't have a KKK, then we can't have your special day of coffee for just black women either. Because if a white woman's walking by, why can't she sit down? You can't have a black table if you can't have a white. I'm tired of it. You know what I mean? I'm tired of all of it. And as a biracial you, woman, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you grew up the way you did. You grew up with a, with a black father and a white mother. You, you made a choice somewhere in your life that you wanted to veer more towards the white perspective. Than you did the black perspective. Whereas I didn't women, have a choice. Why, why, why didn't you have a choice? I didn't have a choice because I didn't know. I was born in Mississippi. And then right. I had to move to. Yeah, I was born in Gulfport, Mississippi. I have already experienced the Klansmen. The Klansmen had my entire family at a gas station screaming at my mom that she was an in-lover. And they said that they were going to tie my, they literally had my father tied. They said they were going to tie him to the pump and blow him up with all of his little in babies. I'll never forget. I've already experienced like 30 hoodsmen. I've already been at a gas station with them. When I tell you there's nothing, my, I'll never forget my father calling out God's name over and over and over And they, like, all I know is they left because my parents would not stop praying. And for some reason, we were spared. We were spared. But I can still, I can still smell those men. Hmm. I don't have, but that's the thing is I don't have hate towards them because someone has groomed them this way. There's pure evil in this world. All of this racism stuff, it's not just a taught behavior, but it's a spiritual problem. And it goes back to Africa. Like we're talking like you can't say black lives matter without saying black African lives matter. Like it all goes back to that. You know what I mean? Like we have to unlearn so much. And it's just, um, so yeah, I, I didn't have a choice because I needed to survive. So I right. tell people that I learned very early there, there are plenty. I just learned that this is what I have to do. But I ripped my father. Now, he had a deep – he was from the Bahamas. So he had a very deep accent. And when I was, I was in Mississippi until I was five, now if I want to, I can talk like this. I can put it on, and I can invite all y'all to tea. But my father told me, you, ha- you cannot have that, that accent. You can't have a southern accent and have color. So he made it a point to teach us to speak a certain way. He would always say, tuck your tongue, tuck your tongue. He would put his finger in our mouth and tuck our tongue to make us enunciate. And he said, otherwise you'll die. And so he moved us up north. But then it was up north that there was even more racism because what I saw was white people trying to please black people. And if they didn't speak a certain way, they got beat up. So I'm like, wait, all the white preppy girls, when they're around black people, they talk a certain way just so they don't get beat up. What is happening? Like, why do you have to act a certain way? So I learned, well, I guess I'm just going to get beat up. 
I'm not going to talk that way. So I got beat up over and over and over by black people when I moved to the north. I had my face pounded in. I lost a tooth. I had my eyeball almost ripped out. I had all my hair ripped out. Black people beat me down. It was never white people. It was always black people beating me down because I wasn't black enough. I didn't want to do what they said. And it was always like, okay, but you know what I mean? So I just, I made that choice. Like, you know what? I have a feeling that you're eventually going. So what I did was I had to physically fight back. I realized that peace was not the answer. I got suspended from school. I was a straight age child and I got, I got suspended all the time. And my principal said to my mother, this is our culture. If she does not fight back, she's more of a distraction. She's going to have to fight back. And I eventually did. And that's how I earned my street, my, my respect. But that, and then for years I didn't talk, I didn't, I didn't talk to black people. I said, you know what? I can't live like this. I can't, I, I can't, I had to go to counseling to learn that it was okay to have black friends as a biracial person. So I've always, <laughs> yeah. So I and wonder what everybody else's story is. Exactly. Yeah. Being black yourself. It sounds like, it sounds like you were pressured into choosing a side and opposed to, you know, a lot of other people that veer in the area of, of, of black America, you were pushed in the area of white America. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was, I was just like, there's, yeah, there was no way I was ever going to be accepted. And um, what I realize now, yeah, go ahead. No, we were talking about the, the movie by Octavia, Octavia Spencer, the uh, uh, self-made movie. Uh, yeah, you know, which, which yes. is amazing. Madam C.J. Walker, yes. Yes, Madam C.J. Walker, which which I put the picture up for you. You know, when when you Thank see you. the one really light female black woman, oh yeah, who, who is yeah. Fight, do do you do you find yourself almost siding with her? Do you find yourself almost like understanding her plight? Honestly, I didn't. I, oh. I tried to, and I was just like, that's it never been me. sounds similar to what you're saying. It sounds similar to, to what you're It does what sound similar. About. Yeah, because she was pushing – she was pushing – I'm sorry for interrupting. But she was pushing no. into the white world because she was lighter-skinned black. And then she, she did have the hair that everybody wanted and the, the beauty that, that, that was very different and what have you. So it was proof positive. Yeah, I see that, what you know. mean from that. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. part – okay. In that regard, yes, but I was going to say just her manipulation and her pure evil. I'm like, oh, I didn't relate to that. But no, I wasn't it calling is, you a again, bitch. <laughs> I wasn't calling you. <laughs> I'm like, I she was something. Nah, I wasn't calling you a bitch because that woman was a real Dang, bitch. <laughs> she really, yeah, itchy, yeah, itchy. Yeah, she was a real bitch. Itchy, itchy on that one for sure. Yeah, um, she, she was crazy. But yeah, I – yeah. Um, but yeah, I did. I could say that in relationships, I can go back to a marriage of mine, that wealthy yeah. white man that I was married to years ago. I could say I'll never, a big reason why our marriage didn't work. Now we're at peace now, but I'll never forget the day before we got married. And we had 400 people at our wedding. I'll never forget. He asked me the day before we got married. He said, well, he didn't ask me. He sat me down and he said, now, we did not live together. I have to say this. We did not live together before we got married. We bought a house we were going to move into, tried to do it all right. And, um, you know, no offense to people who don't think that we, we were just, 
you know, we were serving at church and we thought like, you know, let's just do things differently. Let's just, and so, um, he set me down in our new house before we got married and he said, you're white, right? (laughs) And I said, I went like that. What, what part of my hair looks white to you? And I started touching my face. I was like, what, what? And he says, well, you tan, right? This man thought that I was a white woman who just tanned and I just had exotic uh, features. He seriously thought that I was a white woman who just had exotic features. And I have, said, does, no. Does, I, he have, does he have cognitive issues, by the way? <laughs> he was a very, you know what? I, 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 you know, what I think it was is that, and he wasn't in a racist family. He just seriously, he just thought that I was white. I don't know how. And I said, no. He says, but you talk like a white woman. You act like oh a white woman. God. And I said, no, babe, I'm, I'm not. I said, do you still want to marry me? And he said, yes, I love you. I just, I just wanted to know because I was wondering, you know, about our, our kids and if we, you know, like you, what they're going to look like. And talk, I was like, you talk like a white woman. You know, that, you that talk is, like a white woman. That, that, is like, the, that is the weirdest thing. I, first of all, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm going to say that right away. Uh, I'll be honest. I mean, I understand, I understand to a certain extent what he means, but yeah. it's like, he, I think he's talking about the comic book version of what human beings are. I think he's talking about like the yeah. cartoon versions of what the human cartoon beings version, are. kind of like when we were married and we would fight. And sometimes I would say, yeah, so I could, I could definitely jump bad. I can definitely do that. And sure enough, he would say things like, you're, that's kind of scary how you're talking. And I'd say, Oh, I'm passionate. I'm upset. Now it's scary. And I would say, Oh, that's right. Because you thought I was white. You know what I mean? So absolutely. Now, now I'm, when I tell you him and I have made perfect peace and he'll probably get a kick out of hearing this and I love him to pieces. So no. Um, But that's just the way he was raised. He didn't know. He seriously thought that I was just passing, you know, and no, so, um, right. but then I have, I have black men who won't date me because they say their mom says, oh, she ain't right. Oh, she thinks she's something. <laughs> so I, really? I can't, I can't, I honestly, I always, you know, my, I guess my fantasy was seal. And I thought, well, look at that. And my mom was like, he's, he's African. Like, so maybe just get an African husband. You know what I mean? She's like, Seal is African. So, and he was with Heidi Klum. And I was like, well, look at that beautiful marriage. And I was like, look at that, how he accepts her. I said, she says, you know, and so I do have a lot of black men friends who say like, yeah, my, I could never date you. My mom, she, she would not like you. You're too white. I've been single for seven years. I can't, I, I, the whole biracial thing. Um, so I can relate. I can relate to that. You're right in that movie because I do catch myself positioning myself a certain way because what you want to do is you want to add value to a marriage. I think a woman of a mature mind wants to add value to a marriage. And so I, I have to say in a, a very humorous way, I think that my biracial self could add value because, you know, if you own a business, I could be the, I could be the darker face to help your business look like it's more diverse. I could position you with your, um, you know, with your executives in your company. Well, he's a diverse man, but then I know how to handle myself at that business, you know, at at, at that, at that gala. So, uh, yeah, 
which is sick and sad, but it's like this is this is the puppetry. This is the puppetry. Well, let me let me ask you a question. When you see like <laughs> George Floyd murdered, and you see this entire yeah. movement happening in <sighs> Black America, and everything changing, where, where do you see yourself in position to to that cordon of move by Black America and what and White America? I'm just simply America to mm-hmm. make a change on this planet where do you where do you see yourself in that i see myself i was laying on the floor with him the more i wa- i i still I, I have to say i do make it a point to watch it every other day i for he as a mother I see myself as a, a mature woman who's a mother in this whole situation to what's happening. So when I, I think back to Emmett Teal, I think back to um, look at what they did to my baby here, open casket, look at what they did. So the horrificness of what happened to, to Mr. Floyd and to what happened to Emmett Teal, for some reason, these run together for me because it's like, sure. look, 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 rest in peace, Aubrey. Okay, but it's not the same for me. I feel like it. Watching a man take his last breath like that, and I seriously, I I'll never forget turning my head sideways when I was watching that, and I thought about that afterwards. I turned my head sideways as I watched that man die, and I wish I could have given him my breath, and I watched him die with my head sideways. Just like when I look at Emmett Teal, when I, I remember opening my arms, like I wanted to, when the casket was open. I, so all of that together. So I see myself, my lane for what's happening in this movement, definitely that I have one, and it's to help people speak life and breath. Because what all, he said he couldn't breathe. So I feel very strongly that I need to help people breathe again. I feel like, okay, I need to breathe a very pure breath over this. And that's a prayer. I really believe that this is all spiritual warfare and that it's my lane to say, even if you're a Satanist or an agnostic person or an atheist, I have so much love for you and you probably feel like you can't breathe. And I'm the one who looks up to heaven and I say, why, why did you, why, why didn't you make one of them jump off just to release a little bit of pressure? Why did that? Why? So I'm, I wasn't raised in a church and I question, I'm like, I do a street ministry for prostitutes, homeless people. I go to crack houses. I've, I pick up from Panera, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, Trader Joe's, and I drive around and I, I ask God, who's hungry tonight? And you don't have to accept anything from God, but I bet you want this sandwich. And so I stay in touch with a lot of these people. And what I, and when they tell me, and sometimes God tells me their story before they even tell me, hey, their father got them pregnant. That's why they're a prostitute. You know what I mean? Like, hey, so you don't, for me, you don't have to follow any rules of, oh, now you have to accept Jesus. No, you don't, because I bet you were calling for Jesus, you know, while you were, you know, being molested. I bet you were, because you were probably raised in church. So I hold the prostitute's hand, and I look up to the heavens. I'm like, 
but why did you let her dad touch her? But why did you let her mom give her heroin? I am upset. So right now, I am asking God why and how and speak through me. Something has got, we cannot live like this. And we all, so it's not about, it's not about subscribing to a belief, but it's about committing to speaking the same language. That's what I keep hearing is like, there has to be one voice. And I really believe that that's my role is to help people speak as one voice. That's why I believe like that's my purpose on this earth. And I'm like one voice, let's go. What is, what is this? Now, um, now you mentioned one your voice, children uh, yeah. several times and you mentioned, you mentioned the fact that they're white, they're white children. What, what, do, you, what do you see your children in this world that, that is newly being built as we speak? My, there's not one day that I don't hear from we, white or we, black we, people. We have to be honest. They're not yeah. white. They're, they're part black. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we have <laughs> uh, to be yeah. completely honest with each other. You know, I mean, they're blonde hair blue eyed but now their father let me say yeah russian italian that's pretty white for a father russian italian's pretty you know what i mean so i think it that's pretty white so it would be different if i were married to a biracial man and then had very light-skinned kids who look white my kid's father's russian italian is as white as like you can you know what i mean so um actually Russian, Romanian, Italian, that whole mix right there. So right. they they literally – but, yes, I – my blood is mixed with theirs. And right. so they can choose how they want to identify. My children identify as white kids. They actually do because people at school ask them. When they see me, they ask them, is that your mommy? But she's black. And so – the parents will, you know, they're standing around. They're like, oh, she's not black. She's biracial. They're like, but she's brown. And the, it's every, it, it, it's at every school function, these questions happen. But on a daily basis, daily, one of the things that we have fun with as a family is we can't wait, wait to see who's. Yeah. You know, have Go you ahead. ever been called mulatto before? But more I in, wonder, um, yeah, in Miami. I used to that. live in Miami. Yeah. I wonder when yeah, you stopped I used using to, that word. Yeah, that's a great question. When did they stop? Because I don't see that as a slight, actually. Like, I I like that word. Hmm. Yeah, I like, I like that word. Um, I've heard that word in a long time. I have it. I think back in, um, oh, the last time I heard that word was actually my first year of college. I can say, yeah, Bowling Green State University was a literature class. And yeah, we were talking about first generation offspring. Um, right. Yeah, and that's the last time I ever heard that. But I wonder who. I wonder if it was recommended that we got away from that or something. It's a great question. Probably. So, so you were talking about your children. Your your children, you know, they they recognize themselves as white, and uh, people are like, "Is that are, are you white?" Because your your mom, it obviously is not. So, what goes mm-hmm. on after that? Well, actually, what always happens is they. They always ask, am I the babysitter? That's how it actually starts. Oh it's always, yeah, they always say, 
and and I get the I I'm an actress, so I get to do this right now. This is fun. Hi. Oh my God, you are so good with them. You know, my husband and I really never get time together. We don't really trust babysitters. So, is there any what? Because you're just so good with them. Do you think you can come over sometime and sit for our family? That's what I get all the time. And I'm like, you know, so I used to defend it and say, I'm their mother. Or actually, these are my kids. But now that my kids are older, we have fun with it. And what I say is, oh, this family pays me so well. I, can't, I, I have signed a contract. I can't work for any other family. Oh, well, they wouldn't know. I get that all the time. They wouldn't know. I could pay you double. I could pay you more than they would pay you. <laughs> like, oh, wow. they're like, how are you so good with those kids? My God, they're so cute. Big blue eyes. <laughs> we actually have fun with it. We can't wait to get the car and die laughing. We we try to see how much we can milk the fun, actually. It's right. like, this is our guilty pleasure. We actually love when people, they don't know better. And I guess that's what they say in the South is, bless her heart. Bless her little heart, which is the well, biggest light, by the way. Yeah, if you're thing. not from the yeah. South, that's the biggest light. That's the thing. Yeah, bless your heart. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, think I, have, I think I might have stabbed somebody. I'll be honest with you. If they would have said that to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, 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 you know, mm-hmm. look, looking, at, looking at what you've gone through, looking at how you fought, looking at your children going on there, what do you want your children to understand? from what's going on now and their own future. Because, you know, we're talking about you and your family, oh, and your yeah. family heritage. So what do you want them to understand? Whew. I think my kids are trying to teach me, actually, because, and I'm waiting to listen more from them, because last night I was massaging Diana's feet, my, my daughter, before she went to sleep. And as she was yeah. fading, she said, Mom, I'm just really glad that we're all still alive. And it just came out of, I was like, why? Because of coronavirus? She was like, no, because all these people fighting in the streets. And we're not out there right now. So we're not, we're not going to die like that. So she understands we're all, she understands we're all going to die one day. But first, like, we're not, she doesn't feel like we're going to die from that. Right. And and so I said, you know, I and so she, then I said, do you want me to be out there? Do you think that I should be out there? And she says, well, your job is to take care of us. You have to live a long time for us. And so, you know, I respect these moms and dads who are out there. I don't believe that that's my, I'm already, like, for example, the post that I did today, I have police departments looking at my stories now. I'm looking and I'm like, ooh, I have ACLU and NAACP. I have the local police departments like in other cities because I've tagged them in these posts. Now they're like, who is she to tell us what to do with our mission statement? So now they're like, huh, let me look at her stories and see what she's about. Maybe we should listen to her. Maybe we shouldn't. Let's see if we can catch her twerking. You know what I mean? Like, let's see if she's. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, um, and I only say that because somebody asked me about following people today. I said, I won't follow anybody if they have one thing, one post or one story where they're twerking. Like we've just, we've lost each other. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, there's right. a disconnect there. Even I'll laugh at it, but I'm I'm not going to follow you um, for professional reasons. <laughs> so right. there's that. Um, but yeah, um, 
I, I, I'm putting my life on the line. If we think about it, there is police brutality. Now I have to say, I'm shielded by the fact that, Hey, it's public knowledge now that I put a solution out there. And one of my best friends is a sergeant for the a police department. So I said, Hey, if I have to call you and you need to tell these police officers that I don't mean any disrespect, like I, my best friend is a police officer. So there's that, but there is that. I have officially stuck my neck out and now I have a lot of governmental officials looking at my account. I'm okay with that because I know for a fact that it is a solution. And I know that even if they don't, I, I know that, I know that I know that I know that that's what's going to happen. Even if they don't pick up my mission statement, I have placed a seed in their heart that that's what needs to happen. And I have the foresight to see that any day now there's going to be some news announcement where some police department steps forward and says, we've decided to change the language of our, and people are like, yay, because that's what needs to happen. I confidently know that. And so I'm, I'm good with that. I feel like I've done my part. But I also challenge – so like I say, like my kids are going to continue to teach me what the future will hold because what I think could come or how I think I need to protect them, children, we have to listen to children. They see so purely. They check me on so many levels all the time, whether it's – even if I use a bad word. You know, they really are the voice of reason. And as a single mother, I weigh every day when I think, now I've been single for a long time, but we have these conversations. Should I marry a white man? Should I marry a black man? Should I marry an Indian man? Should I marry an Asian man? And it's so sad that you want to position yourself sometimes based off of color, but that's the truth. And it's because my children say, but if we have a white dad, then people will think that he's really our dad. So can you choose a white dad? Because if you choose a black, my children say this, they're like, but if you choose a black guy, then they're just going to think that you both adopted us. They won't even think that there's any chance you're our mom. You know, you know, that, that, by the way, that sounds crazy. You know, yeah, I'm like jumping out of this subject. You know, <laughs> you know, I want to talk. I want to. I want to. I want to talk to you about the story about the teacher who who hurt your child. But but I. But before oh. we get to that, before we get to that, it, it seems to me. And please, please correct me if I'm wrong. But it seems to me like the world has punished you or your environment has punished you for being mixed and you you essentially chose a side am i wrong on that one i would say that i didn't i don't feel that i actually chose a side because i don't feel that i'm even of this world. Like, I really don't. I just feel like I know my purpose and yeah. I don't feel like anybody could ever label me anymore. Well, when, when you, when I when have, you earlier, yeah. you, you said that a lot of crime that happened to you was, was more black people towards you. Than yes. White people yes. Towards you. So that, that's that, you know, for me, when I look at like Mariah Carey and, 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 and a lot of 
you know, mixed people that have like a white mother and a black father and what have you, they essentially, a lot of people often will choose to identify themselves as black and, and they won't be punished for, do, for doing that. Uh, they'll essentially just go to that side and that's how they're known from this point on. And people will just essentially forget that Mariah Carey's mother was a white opera singer. Um, but right. for you, but for you, it seems that you were almost pun- you know, criticized and punished, even when people say that they think they see you as like the babysitter. That's really, really insulting. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? That's really insulting. Oh, yeah. You, oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you're being punished for for having a black father or, you know, or yeah, a black father. So so it seems like, you know, you 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 had to either go this way or go that way. It seems like you chose that way instead of this way. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. No, you're not wrong. I I feel that I'm more powerful in not I I'm more powerful in being comfortable with my experiences. So for me, I my culture has been more how do I say this? Take your time. What's that? yeah. Um I just naturally, like, just naturally, I don't identify as being a black woman. I won't say that, and I don't, I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not afraid of it anymore. It's just, I'm just a biracial woman. But when people ask me, do you think you're white? I just said, no, absolutely not. Well, you sure like a lot of white things. And I say, okay, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I'm like, so. I shouldn't laugh at this. I mean, that's. You that's should so, laugh. I think it's so, hilarious. No, so funny, funny, funny is funny, but funny is funny. That is so funny crazy is funny. to me. Wow. Yeah. No, like I, I, ha- I love country music. I have cowgirl boots. Do I. I spend time on farms. Like I know how to shoot. And I, but you know what I mean? But I also, I'm classically trained in ballet. I speak French, Spanish. I play instruments. I, um, but who's, just, who's who says these are white things? So what they're I not. say to the people, they're not. They're just not white things at all. What are you talking about? Do you, I mean, yeah. like, I don't know anybody who could play the guitar better it, than it, 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 it Jimi Hendrix. Sound, it sounds to me like you, you, you. It does sound, and please, please I'm, I'm sorry if, if I'm overstepping my boundaries, but it does sound like you suffered like a great deal for, for being, for being both black and white. And that, that's, yeah, I'm sorry. I have, I, I have. I'm really sorry that happened now, to you. It, 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 that sounds horrible, like the experiences that you went through. Oh, they were, they were very horrible. I have to say they were very horrible. Very, very, very horrible. I had to. I was not allowed to walk home by myself because I got jumped so many times and I'm still friends with Mr. Green, who was my, he was the career counselor at the middle school. And he said, we can't let you walk home anymore 
because we will be charged. I'll never forget. We will be charged with your murder because we're letting you go home. Because I got beat up so much that I was like not even recognizable. Like I just got beat to a pulp all the time. And so, and it was just because of my, of being biracial. Um, so like I said, you know, black people beat me up all the time because of that. And, um, Oh, you thank you cute. Oh, you want my boyfriend. Oh, you thank you funny. You know, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not even allowed to have a boyfriend. You know what I mean? I was like, what? I don't want your boyfriend. Or I didn't, I wasn't talking like that to disrespect you. Or I don't think my hair is prettier than yours. <gasps> no. So I constantly had to apologize for everything, you know? And so it was just, oh, you know, oh, because your lips are small, you, I, I'll, you know, Things like that, like, oh, you think your lips are small. I might as well rip them off. Things I'll never forget. Like, you don't even have them anyway. I might as well rip them off. You know, like, just what? the weirdest things. Yeah. Um, or, tell, yeah, tell they about, would th- tell, tell, me, tell me about that teacher. What, what happened with that yeah, teacher? Yeah, I'll tell you, Mr. Green, what he did was he said, you have got to tell me what your interests are besides sports because I can't let you plan any sports teams because they're going to beat you up there too. What do you like to where we, you can't go to the after school program. You get beat up there. You can't play sports. And now my dad had just died. So my, I had, you know, I was a latchkey kid. I was like, I have to go to after school. And they're like, no, but we have to hide you. I was like, what do you mean you have to hide me? He says, well, I can't give you a ride home. Your mom's still at work. So what do you like to do? I'll create a program just for you. What type of after school thing do you want to do? I was like, what, what do you mean? He said, no, seriously, we're going to create, what do you like? I was like, um, I like photography. I'm really good at photography. He says, okay, I'm going to, he says, you know what? I'm going to see if I can get a student from Ohio State University to come to the school every day and teach you photography but we have to hide you. He had to create a dark room in a janitor's closet to hide me from black people so that I was not visible for two hours after school until after they went home from the after school program or sports. So I was forced to hide in a closet, but at least I learned photography and I'm a great photographer. I have to say like, I, yeah, they brought all this equipment that I, they had, it was like witness protection program. Like I had to, hide from black people they were going to rip me apart so that man he um he he, he's still in my life I love him so very much he actually gave me away you know you know my last wedding um he was like my father he was friends with I've been friends with him yes since sixth grade well actually since fourth grade and he's a white he's a white man he's 70 I think 71 and he's, you know, he's a Catholic man. He does Catholic charities. He's all over sure. Facebook doing stuff. I love this guy. But I eventually had to fight back, like I said. I eventually had to fight back, and I did. And I'll never forget. Well, I actually met Snoop Dogg recently. I was hmm. at my movie premiere in L.A., and we were going in for Bad Boys for Life. And <laughs> I saw Snoop and his wife. And I... That, now, I can tell you Snoop Dogg saved my life because of this. Now, I've never even told anybody this story, but I have a video with Snoop, actually, that I need to put on Instagram to thank him because he was walking ahead of me into the Chinese theater, and it just, it just came over me. I said, hey, Snoop, yep. 
he turns around. He said, what it is? I said, Snoop, why, do you, why is it what it is? He said, because that's just what it is. What, so you tell me what it is. And so I said, okay, I need to tell you how you saved my life. He said, for real? I said, okay, Snoop, seriously. When I, I was never black enough. And so he's like, what do you, you weren't black enough. I said, look at me, Snoop. Look at me. I was never black enough. And my dad died and I was forced in an all white neighborhood where they pretended to be black. And then all the black people beat me up and all the white people, he started laughing and his wife and him were laughing. So he said, oh, this is horrible. What happened? I said, Snoop, your music was really popular then. Now I actually didn't like your music, but I knew that if I can memorize all your lyrics, I'd be cool. So I started memorizing all your lyrics, and one day in home ec class, I just started rapping, like beating on my table, and I started rapping, and I stood up with the cookie sheet and started hitting people. He was like, what the? (laughs) I said, I had to. They beat me up forever for years. I had to snap. (laughs) And I said, your music helped me get street cred in home ec class. He and he, I'll never, he hugged me. He said, my condolences about your dad. So he had his laugh, but then Snoop embraced me like a father. And he said, my condolences about your dad. He said, you don't have to be black enough, white enough. You don't have to be anything enough. You are enough. For Snoop Dogg to hold me and say that. And so, yeah, so what I said, um, so the reason why I have a video with him is because I said, you know what? I, my son's about to graduate from high school. I said, could you just say something to him? He's like, yeah, put it on. So he did a cool little congratulatory video for my son um, for graduating from high school this year. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I have to put it on there. But for me, for Snoop to, like he's recently, if, if you guys look at his Instagram, Snoop's been posting pictures of his white nephews. And he's saying like, no color, yeah. no color lines, well, no color nephew. lines, like stop it. You know what I mean? Yeah, he has white nephews. And so looking back, I'm like, oh, that's why I met Snoop. Because, you know what I mean? Like he literally, his music saved my life. It did. Because I got, I was literally, people were, if I didn't sit there and act like a psycho and start rapping, I wouldn't have got the attention <laughs> to quiet down the classroom that I had to jump up and act crazy. Yeah. But I quieted the room with his music. And he, like, it's the same as, what does music do to us? Think about it. Right. Think of this whole movement. Think of this whole movement. And I have to say it's becoming a joke. People need to be really careful what they're doing. I have to say what I don't like with some of this um, protesting is in the past few days, people have been dancing with cops. Right. Okay. You, um, we don't need to step and dance and all this. Co- no, because this is not about entertainment. You know, it's really not. So I maybe that's something I don't understand. I could see if everybody started singing a Negro spiritual, like uh, something, you know what I mean? Like, but dancing, twerking with cops, I don't see how that is going to, like, that's not common ground. I think like, it's just, it's weird. Um, But I have to say that my, my hope and my dream is that we all can hold hands and dance together or sing together. Um, I'm not for stripping cops of their power we do need them i i i have so much respect for police officers i have so much respect for citizens so i don't i'm not a hippie and i do not believe that we should just have community peace officers uh no well you know (laughs) we're gonna uh, i'm gonna have a conversation tomorrow with with a couple people but you know i'm gonna have a couple cops on here very soon who you do not want to be named and 
we're going to talk about defunding not. the police and what it means. Yeah. And, and, and the, the problem is, is that defunding is not properly executed or, or spoken to about what it means. What defunding really means is cops, cops don't really want to arrest the mentally ill, which is at least 30% of their calls. And that mm-hmm. money could be distributed in a different way for those for mentally ill for a lot of psychiatrists and people like that calls, and to, to, to be on the forefront, to be on the forefront of that. So defunding police really means about that. But I'll, uh, we're going to discuss that tomorrow. But you know, and, and you sh- and you it, should. It, I I yeah. Go ahead. I do have to say, I am aware of that. I do need to let that be known. I'm aware of that, and. I am for that. I lived in Switzerland for three months and, Mm. and yeah, so that, and that wasn't too long ago. And what I saw was when there were mentally ill or homeless people on the streets, I witnessed over and over in Switzerland, a, 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 a mobile unit would come and would assess those people and take those people away in a very loving way. And so I, you know, and I had asked my friends, like, what is happening? And they said, oh, instead of the police, because, you know, this is what we do. We actually take care of these people, you know, and I was like, this is amazing. So, yeah, I understand why the, you know, if there's a panhandler, they would come and they would feed them. They would check their vitals. They would do all these things. And then they would connect that. They would literally take them to a homeless shelter. Right. But the cops did. Yeah. So absolutely. Defunding. Yes. yes we need to give funds to yeah, create of, something people, like that. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people think it means to dismantle. There, there is yeah. a dismantling of the police department. There's a thing called dismantling the police department. But defunding means something completely, completely yes. different. It means reassociating the money. In a direction that helps out the police to actually become better cops, because like I said before, they they do not want to be called towards mentally ill issues. They don't want to be called towards the the homeless situation. These are these are issues that are that are really situated towards other situations, and that that assumed money can go into different situations. You know, one of the reasons why I taught the way I did in my life as a martial artist was. I knew that I can teach people in a way that they they could not bother cops when they were adults. And that that's kind of almost the same exact perspective as, you know, defunding the police department. The problem is, is that it's a not a complicated situation. I don't think it's a well articulated uh, argument. And we're going to talk about it more tomorrow, but I, you know, I really appreciate you you talking to me a little bit about that. You know, what do you want from your children? Now, listen, you you can't run away from the fact that you are mixed. But what do you? And neither can your children. And, and I bet you a million dollars, one of your children are going to grow up going like I am. I am part this. So yeah. what, what do you what do you want your children? to be like in the new world. Oh, it's such a, mm, it's a great question. What do I want my children to be like in the new world? Yeah. Do you want them, do you want them to be in, and I mean this in all due respect and I do respect you. And I, I mean this in all sincerity, but do, do you want them to be like you where they kind of, let go of that side of themselves or do you want them to admit that they do have black blood in them well, and that 
You see, when you say let go, that's the other thing is I am, I'm a barefoot woman in the kitchen who loves, like I'm a folksy, like I'm a, I am a sophisticated, elegant woman. I am, but I right. also have right. a folksy side to me. So sure. I, and, and I attribute that and I tell my children that it's my Ethiopian blood, that it's my Bahamian blood. I'm hmm. barefoot inside and outside the house. That's who right. I am. So I don't let go. I just, it took me a while to, but you, to you embrace can't, that. You, but you can't tell me that your experiences in your life did not give you some form of PTSD that, that really harmed you. They really hurt you in a way that kind of made you, you know, um, not make a choice, but, you know, put, push away a certain perspective of your existence. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it, it did. And I have to say, though, because now that I realize I've been, I serve a resurrecting God. I have been resurrected. I can tell you that I was buried over and over and over and over again by white and black people over and over and over again. And now I realize that I am finally alive. I am, I am unearthed. I'm alive. Here I am. And so for me, um, yeah, I had to die. I had to die. So Mm -hmm. I thank all of those oppressors. I thank all of those people for burying me because now I forced I Phoenix, huh? I I cut into myself. I cut into myself, and I see the matrix. I see the diamond. I don't need you to see me. I know who I am. I know who I am. That I am. That I am. I don't need you to see me anymore. I'm actually okay with you not seeing me, but you will remember. You know, like you you'll feel me, and I'm I'm good with that. So I would say. What do I want from my kids? Yeah. I want, want them to be to oh Yeah. Yeah. I want them to be in this new world okay with being seen and not being seen. That's what I want. They don't have to prove. They don't have they don't, but there's a responsibility. There is a responsibility. I do not believe in do what you do, do you, all of that sort of mentality. I don't believe that. I believe true love is not about a feeling. It's about a responsibility. And if you are grateful for the breaths that you have on this earth right now, I would challenge everybody to take a deep breath and hold it. And when it's pushed out, understand that like your life force is really affecting other people. And you cannot just sit around with self-love, love yourself. It's really right. not about that. You really should be looking sideways at dying people and wanting to transfer your breath unto them. You really should. You have a responsibility. And you, have, you can hide underneath your roof and say, this is my family. This is how we do things. No, you affect other people. Your family affects other people. We are all one. I will see you one day. I will see you again. And to that, I I have to add this. I asked God very specifically when I moved back to Cincinnati, I said I would never move back there again. And I moved back there again to finish my degree. 
And I was doing that street ministry, and I asked God, let me see that officer, the officer who called me the N-word, the officer who body slammed me. I want to see him again. And one night I picked up Panera Bread after being there for almost a year, dead of winter. And, I, I, you know, Panera closes at 10 o'clock, so I had to wait until about 1030 to pick up this. And I looked across the parking lot in the dead of winter, and I saw that police officer. I walked up to him. I walked across the parking lot knowing that I would look like a threat to that man. And I walked with my hands up. And I said, officer, I've always prayed to see you again. Do you know who I am? And he said he couldn't say that he, that, no, I, I, and I said, do you remember? And I described. And this man covered, and and I said to him, I have prayed. I looked you up online. I saw that you're married. I looked at your Facebook profile. I've always prayed for you and your wife. I see you're a father. I moved away from Cincinnati because of what you did to me. And walking across this parking lot, I realized that you could have shot me. But I asked God to see you again. When you called me these words, when you body slammed me, when you put me in that cell, you tried, you know, and I told him, I said, you honestly tried to get rid of me, but you right. can't. I exist. I am real. I'm somebody's daughter. I'm God's daughter. And I have forgiven you a long time ago. And he did. He said, will you please forgive me? I said, I've already forgiven you a long time ago. I made peace with that person. I would say to everybody who's angry right now, ask to see, ask for a new set of eyes, ask to see how you can forgive. But you have to start with yourself. You know for a fact you have some little crazy ideals where you have some biases or you have, you know, some vendetta or stop. Or you use certain hashtags to get attention to try to create hate. Stop. Please stop. Just stop. Check yourself first. If this situation happens again, and I'll put a dollar down guaranteed this is going to happen again. In the future, another there's going to be another George Floyd. There's going to be another uprising. Just, just I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to happen again. Do, do you feel like is, is like your children's obligation, just as just as humans, to stand up for that? I believe that my children have an obligation to decree and declare that it won't happen again. Because we need to speak life over it. And so it's my fervent prayer right now. Right now, I stand against any spirits that are trying to make this happen again. I decree and declare peace. And if it happens again, if it happens again, I do believe we all have an obligation to stand up again. But what I really believe that's going to happen is if it happens again, if it happens again, it's going to be such a sharp prick in the soul of that person who did it. I think they're going to just immediately realize their mistake. So maybe it will. I think it's going to almost happen. I would say it's yeah. going to almost happen. I'll pray, but I believe that I'll, the, pray with, I'll pray with you on that one. I, stand I in agreement. Never, stand in uh, agreement. Yeah, I hope I, it never I, happens I hope, again. I hope it never, ever happens again. Ever. I don't, I don't ever. ever want to see this happen again. I mean, yeah, no, I, 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 I hope it ends right now. Yes. And I, I have to say this. If you look at my IMDB, when I talk about why I'm an actress or like what happened and how it happened, I know that part of my responsibility 
Mm-hmm. Emmett Till's mother just died recently in, in New York. Yeah. Do you know this woman asked a lot of very prominent black celebrities to pay for a museum for Emmett Till? And they said yeah. no. So I pledge, I, I pledge, I cannot wait. I feel like when I get my huge movie deal, I'm making that museum happen. I feel like that's my, like, it has to happen. Something about that, it has to happen. And that's the same as, so I just feel like, why are we in positions? What are we doing with our life? What is our responsibility? We all need to ask ourselves that. Just like police officers need to ask themselves, what is my mission statement? I believe right. we all should have a mission statement as a doctor, as an Agreed. attorney, as a gas pump. We all which need is why to, you, uh, Which is why you made that. You, you know what? Now that we're talking about it, yeah, I thought it was just for police officers. You know what? Citizens need to have a mission statement too, and I think they should have That's to right. swear into it too. And you know I what? Agree. Actually, now that we're on that, yeah, because you know what you're doing while you're weakening our country, running your mouth about our country, you're weakening our country. You have three strikes to talk bad about our president in a way that is a terrorist. You sound like a terrorist. You are allowed to protest. But what, you're, uh, what I don't think you should be allowed to do is say things like, oh, our president should die. That is a terrorist move right there. You I've should go to jail for that. I, I, I've, never, I've never heard anybody say that, by the way. So I can I, tell I you that we have a, we have a large audience I've right now, it. but I'll make a distinction. I have never heard anybody at least admit that to my face or say that on the radio because yeah. I have a large yeah. audience right now. I've never heard anybody say that. First of all, I probably would. I probably would have hung up on them because uh, you should. You should. I can it's, say it's, I have personally not, seen. I have seen on Facebook and Instagram things like that. And I immediately block those people. I'm like, are no, you kidding me? Do you want, no, I don't, I don't want to have conversations with people that end in that no. way. I just, I, you know, I, you know, I, I believe in a lot of things. I believe in free speech. I'm giving yes. people a platform here to speak their yes. truth, but I'm not, if, if your truth is about murder and mayhem, then go find some other platform. Absolutely. Sincere, Absolutely. I, I, I don't want to hear it. You know, you're the Joker, and I get it. Go to Batman's uh, podcast. Uh, I, I don't want to exactly. listen to it. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know what no. I'm saying? Like, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, really, <laughs> I really don't want to listen to it. What I want to hear are solutions. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. You know, when we're looking at the future, because we don't have a lot of time left, and I've loved our time together. But, you know, I'll when you're looking at the future, what, what, what do you want to change? Like it, like just just say in the next ten years, what do you want? What do you want to see changing in the in the in the in Black America, not White America, but Black America? What do you want to see changing? Ask me. What I want to see differently in Black America? Why why not White America? And it's okay. How what, what, whatever be, whatever they're, reason they're, why? Because they're going to be because they're going to be forced to be changed around Black America. Because no matter what, they're going to have to change. But you know, we, good. We can okay, go both so, ways. so you've cleared. No, I'm glad yeah. that you've clarified that. I just want to know why. That's all. That's all. Because 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 right now I think white America is is hanging back and looking looking at Black America, going like, "What do you need? We're going to give you what you need." <laughs> you know, I really, I, I sincerely think that that's what's <sighs> happening right now. They're, they're we're at a stalemate right now, and we we really need people to go. We need this 
as black Americans. We need this. We need this. We need that. And I could be completely wrong. I could be asinine and out of my gourd and, and out of my league. But I, but I really, but what I want to hear is what black America wants. I really don't want to hear what white America wants. If that makes sense. To okay. You. There you go. There you go. I, I want this. I think of the word struggle. I think that's the biggest thing. I would like, what I would like to change for black America is that the word struggle becomes something that's only used in business. You know, like they say, you know, a lot of black people say the struggle is real. You know, I don't, that breaks my heart when I hear black people say that. It really does. It actually breaks my heart. And people laugh like, yeah, man, the struggle's real. I'm like, mm, why does it have to be? You know, why did, so I wonder how can, how, my question is for, for black people is how can you start overcoming your own, like, how can you stop? And when I say how, and of course the solution is, well, if white people would give me a chance, you know what I mean? So I don't mean any disrespect when I say that, but I just feel like the struggle to even have a discussion, the struggle to express distrust, the struggle to make a decision in about whether or not you want to walk down the street with your cell phone. You know, if it's out, it might be looked at as a weapon. Um, how can you, what I want, what I want really badly is that the spiritual aspect, like the, that spiritual lives, I'd say spiritual lives matter, you know, like how that's all, that's just, that's just what I want for people is for them to be more in touch with how they affect other people. And to me, that's spirituality. So it doesn't have to be a certain religion, but I want people, there is a movement. I feel like a lot of people are saying, Oh, they have good energy. Oh, their vibes, all that. Um, I, okay. However you have to get to it. Fine. But I really feel like that's what's missing. And that's the solution is that people understand they have to dig within themselves first and then they have to just just as we just said a few minutes ago at first it you know our you know at first you said it's going to happen again but then you changed it because you realized like yeah there there's power on your words so you know what it's not going to happen again you know like we might let's change our language there is a chance there is a chance that it may not ever happen again i mean you know, as any scientist would, would really proclaim, you know, you have to be careful what you say because there there are no absolutes. Yeah. There are no absolutes. You can't say this and, and be and think you're right. That's just not true. Yeah. You know, anything can happen. Yeah. Anything can happen. And this could be this really could be the cornerstone or the stopping point of something that has been horrific for the past 400 years. This could really be the stopping point, and I, I really hope it does, and I really hope it is. When you, when, you look at, when you look at America right now and you look at 
a lot of the tra- travesties and a lot of the markings you've been through in your life, and when you look at the history of your life and what have you, what do you want to be remembered as? What do you, what do you, what do you want people to re- what do you want your family to remember you as? Someone who, you know, I'll just say it even though it's cheesy. I have okay. to. Have you ever heard of a Kimberlite? Do you know what a Kimberlite is? Okay. Uh-huh. That's really what I want to be remembered as and who I want to be remembered as. A rock that contained a diamond. Yeah. Like you cannot, that's really who I am. And that is something that I've never heard anywhere. What's that? Unbreakable. Yeah. Thank you. I wouldn't have even said that. I truly am. And if I want to let you see the facets, then I will. But if I, if I, 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 I'm in control. I'm in control by letting, yeah, I'm, I'm in control of that. And I and I'm and that's what I want to be remembered as. I really do. And I, thanks for for suggesting that word, unbreakable. I really am because I've been. There's not one type of physical pain that I haven't felt before. There's not one weapon I haven't seen or have has not touched my body. I've seen it all. I feel you know. And so, and I do. I I think I do. I thank God that I survived because when I see a lynching, when I see even just somebody getting smacked, I can, I can actually relate to it. I'm an empath. I can feel it. Yeah. And I, you, you've, so I, almost, I kn- you've almost been lynched yourself. When you, when you talk about your experience or what have you, it, it, it sounds like, like a, a, like a modern lynching almost being beaten yeah. up by certain people, being targeted, being shoved into place, being called certain things. I still have a bald spot on, in my hair because yeah i've been yeah and i thank god i have a lot of hair um to hide that but i'm like i've been really beat down but you cannot break me you cannot and 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 you know what and and i just want to speak that over every single person right now on this entire planet right now i decree and declare that we are all unbreakable that no weapon formed against anybody shall prosper. Right now, every single grand rising of any weapon being lifted into the air right now, whether it's a fist to pop somebody in their mouth in a domestic violence situation, or if there's a gun being raised at somebody right now, or if there's a, a knife, I, I, like, it'll fall dead right now, right now in Jesus' name, because I, it, we're all unbreakable. Right. That is absolutely what i want us all to be remembered as unbreakable you will not you will not you cannot and now i'm supercharged up i am we're all manic now Woo! you know I, I i really appreciate you coming on the show i, I appreciate you sharing your truth you know i, I want to ask you a couple more questions before we go uh, you, yeah. And one of the last ones I want to ask you is, wh- where do you want to see these protests go? 
What, what do you what do you what do you want to see them achieve? I I would say I just don't want them to give up. They've come this far. I would say that they, yeah, I I could say that much. But achieve every single. I would like, I, I would challenge the protesters even more. I would challenge them to say, stay until you hear that every single person that you're demanding justice for, not just George Floyd, but every single one, stay until you actually get justice for that person. Please don't walk away. Right. I would say, yeah. I mean, and, and if, you, if even if you want to start Googling people, like, you know what, actually – you remember that? Yep. And then go to that small city or town and protest there too. If you, I would say that every single person who has suffered any type of disgusting misjust, like injustice, please go and just keep standing longer, keep staying longer. And I think that every single police officer, and you know who you are, like if you've done something, I would say that they should just step forward now and resign. Like, you know what? I know for a fact that these people are not going home because I did. I murdered somebody, and I would like to just step down. You know, I I would say that everybody needs to – everybody needs to be brought to justice. You know, there was a a news station that was making a claim that that 75-year-old man who who, uh, was pushed by those two cops in Buffalo who hit his head on Mm -hmm. the floor – was yeah. a was faking it, and uh, faking and it. That's, yeah, he was faking blood said, coming out of his ears. Really, exactly. He said he was faking oh. it, and that it's baloney. And uh, you know, some people in government—I'm not going to name any names right now—but some people yeah. in government were, were, were actually uh, backing that up. Is, oh, wow. is that the, is that the way? Is that the way we should go in our world? Is that the way we should go in our society right now when, when we're in so much trouble, when we're in dire straits, when we're suffering so much, when we're worried and we care so much about each other, when we're finally unified? Do you think that's right or do you believe that at all? What do you – what's your – No, these are, these are little – these are crocs of little – that's confusion that's trying to be planted onto people. That's all. That's all. And it doesn't have any power. All of these devices to try to make people think that there's some sort of show. No, these are all just little, they're, they're huge on a a scale of the damage they can do. However, I give them no power. You teeny weeny little lie. Nobody's going to believe you. We all saw what happened. Don't right. – no, no, absolutely you're, not. And you're, you're an incredibly powerful woman. There, I don't think there's a single person who's listening to this right now who, who doesn't know that. We have a large audience that's listening right now, and I, I think they know this. What I want to know is when, you, when your children are grown-up adults and they look back at this – time in their lives 
and it may be glorious and golden in the golden era of our gener- of their generation. What, what do you want them to to know about how you contributed to this time of their lives? I finally lived up to my name. That's what I want them to know, that I contributed because I lived up to my name. The name Leah, I'm Jewish, but I love Jesus. And so Leah was looked at as very weak. Leah had weary eyes. Leah was looked at as a weak person that was tricked into a marriage by her father. She was pretty much pimped out. And here, go ruin your sister's marriage so I can get seven more years out of this man. Right. Come on. When I tell you I am a single mother and I had weaknesses that are honestly like eerily similar to like to what Leah experienced, you know, by the fathers of my children. So what I would say is I finally lived up to my name as being God's daughter. I finally said, you know what? I there's something called the midrash. Have you heard of this? I have. Yes. I know that that's what I have to do with the rest of my life is I have to help people understand that we all have to we're all going to be weak from crying. Leah's eyes were weak from crying. She they, she cried because she had to be married in a wicked way. She cried because she was left a single mom over and over and over. Okay. But the praise of Leah on which the entire world rests was that she was a prophet. And all of her children alluded to, like, all, all the names that she gave them. And I, I have to say, like, before I even knew God, I, I did. I, I prayed over, even as a single mom, I'm like, well, I'm giving birth alone, but I'm not just going to look through some baby book. I just thought, like, okay, I'm going to name this child whatever you want to, God. You have to think, like, single moms, I have to say, like, that's, there is a problem with that being a single mom, there is a racist tone to it because if you look at the statistics of single moms, just, I would just tell everybody, look at the statistics. That's all I would say. I'm not going to name colors or anything, but I'm like, look at the statistics. Uh, I, w- I would in- also claim the facts that people think that you're, your children's babysitter. I would just go back to that. Right. There, yeah, there's that. Exactly. And so I with Leah said, Leah finally said in Genesis twenty nine thirty five, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. And that act, when she named her last child, and that was in the Midrash, that from the day God created the world, he was not praised by anyone ever. God was never praised by anyone in the entire world until Leah said, from her mouth, and it's in Genesis twenty nine thirty five. she said, this time I will praise the Lord. And that act, her offspring learned from it. And they followed in her ways, and they also praised the Lord. 
so that's what my that's how my children will remember me. And I know that I know that I know that. And it wasn't because I was always at church. It was because of listening to God, staying a single mom right now for years and saying, you know what, I'm going to, whether at my corporate job or whether in Hollywood or whether, it doesn't matter if I work at the grocery store, you're going to be somebody's punk. You are, they're going to have a boss. So you might as well just go ahead and say, you know what, I do have free will, but I surrender it. And that's what I've done. And I've told my kids that I have free will. I can say, as an adult, I can go do whatever I want, as far, but I choose not to. I choose to stay under this covenant. I choose. So as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord because I've already made too many mistakes. I already understand this world. I do. And it's not out of fear. It's not out of fear. I super duper 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 love him. He keeps giving me breath to give other people. I have to breathe. Please correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like your faith has really helped you to dissolve or to um, fix a lot of the situations that have gone wrong in your life, that, that when people have hurt you, when people have seen you as the wrong person, when people have have wrongfully positioned you, that your faith has 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 healed you from that situation. Am I wrong? That's exactly what it is. That's that's my faith. Yeah, I was I wasn't raised in church, but God sent complete strangers to me over the years. He sent complete strangers who would walk up to me in public and tell me the thing to tell me from God. Complete strangers. That's how I came to know God. I mean, Jeremy Camp is the we all I mean, I don't know if anybody knows who Jeremy Camp is, but I can say that he's the most famous Christian singer of all times. Like and he had Okay. His family walked up to me in Franklin, Tennessee. I was at a, um, I was at a street corner about to cross a, to go um, as a photographer. I was going to go edit some pictures at Lomerity's Cafe in Franklin, Tennessee. In Franklin, Tennessee, if you guys don't know, one of the wealthiest counties in America, country music stars live there. I had a lot of clients who had a lot of land, and I, you know, I. I thought I did lifestyle portraitures and that was my, you know, I, I would do fine art renditions of their families. So I turn around and there's 15 people behind me in Harley Davidson gear. And I'm like, uh, so I'm thinking of the Pee Wee Herman movie. So I said, uh, did I knock over one of y'all's bicycles? Like, am I getting beat up? And they, they were like, that's, that's what came out of my mouth. They start laughing. They're like, oh, we're harmless. Everybody balk like a chicken. So all these people pass me. I'm surrounded by people pretending to be chickens crossing the street and they're dying laughing. They're like, we would never hurt you girl. And so I'm dying laughing with them. I go sit down and one of them comes up to me and she says, she gets down by my table. Hey, we were, we were just praying over our breakfast. We're, we're from Indiana. Um, we're just visiting, but we now I'll just have to say the night before 
I had suffered some serious injuries from domestic violence, but my faith told me to get up, take my kid to school. I've already, you know, this man has already been, um, my, my, he was a boyfriend after the marriage. He was a boyfriend. And so I said, you know what? I still have work to do. So all I know was I called the cops on him. I don't know where he is, but I need to get this. I need to finish these portraits. And so dropped off my kids to school. I'm going to go edit these pictures. And they said, we were praying over our breakfast. And our pastor said that you were a divine intervention. So, and I said, you know what? (laughs) I don't do witchcraft. (laughs) Could you please, I I hope you guys are really funny, but can you get away from my table? A divine, well, what? That's really weird to me. And so I, I literally put my hand out, like, please get away from my table. And so she says, no, 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 it, that's not what it is. And she's explaining what it is. And I was like, okay, but I have to finish these pictures. And you guys are really funny, but I don't want to come over to your table. Could you just – so I come over to the table. Hi, you guys are really funny, but I really am not into this whole church thing. I really – that's really sweet of you guys. And he said this, – so this guy puts his hand around this woman. He says – I used to beat her. I used to beat her bones. I didn't know God, and I was on drugs. So he starts telling me how his son's faith helped the family come to God and how they all got off of drugs, and he said they're all in. And so I'm crying So I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm like, I got beat up last night. I'm like, oh, you – why are you with him? He used to beat you. And she says, but we know God. And now, and I forget. And so she's telling him, I'm like, okay. So then he says, we're all in town because our son's, Jeremy Camp. Do you know who he is? I said, I, no, I have no idea who he is. Well, he's the number one Christian singer. And we're all in town to go to Lipscomb University to see his concert. Would you like to come with us? I said, I told you I'm not in this church thing. I don't want to come to some Christian concert. I mean, that's a really sweet story, but I'm not going to some Christian concert. He says, I think you have to meet Jeremy. I really want Jeremy to pray over you. Will you please come? No, because probably by the time I get home, I'm going to get beat up again. No, he's not going to let me go. I'm you know, it's not going to happen. You got four minutes. So Okay, I'll just say that I went to – I ended up going to the concert, and Jeremy prayed over me. And I could say that, like um, – even recently, Delilah, I talked to Delilah, a radio show, and she ends up knowing Jeremy Camp. I, I called, and I asked Delilah to play a song not even six months ago, and, I, and she prayed over me, and I told her about meeting Jeremy Camp. And she says, oh, well, I'm friends with him. I'm calling him and letting him know. So my point is, my faith is on the move. And all of these people, just like you know Jeremy Camp, it's God definitely, it's my faith. It definitely is my faith, but it's because I keep I, I just, I've surrendered my free will and I would, yeah. I think that's what we all need to do. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and, and telling us your truth. I, I really wanted to talk to you, especially after uh, I saw your, basically your op-ed on, on Instagram on, on change that needs to happen with the police department and also with, with the public as well. You know, I, I really appreciate you being on. A lot of people are scared right now to speak their truth and and you're incredibly brave and incredibly sincere Uh, i appreciate you being on thank you so much for having me to all of you who have fear be anxious for nothing 
But in everything, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I love you all. And even if you are hurt because God didn't protect you from something or, or if you are hurting because someone's life has been taken from you because of all of this, remember that death cannot hold that loved one. Death cannot hold you. Death has no power over you. And we will rise again in some way. Just believe that you will rise again because there's no power greater than God's love. None. You are alive. You are alive. We are alive. We will see our loved ones again. I love you all. Amen. Yeah. You know, how do you want people to reach you? Do you, you want them to see you on Instagram or your Facebook? How, how do Because we have a large crowd here that wants to wants to get to know you. So what it's, do you want? Oh, Any, thank what? you. I, I have a website, leahrenek.com, L-E-A-H-R-E-N-E-E dot K, Leah Renee. Oh, I apologize. Leah Renee hyphen K dot com. And you can email me through there, but Instagram direct message. Um, my email address, if you have something really long you want to talk about, is L-E-A-H-R-E-N-E-E dot K, Leah Renee dot K at gmail dot com. And I would love to pray for anybody. I would love to hear why you don't have faith. I would love to come up with a solution you know, if I'm led to, I would love to help you with anything that I can and um, anyway, and I will yeah. make time. I really will make time. And that means so much to me. And I, I, I may need, I may need help with something too, you guys. So um, <laughs> it needs to work both ways because I'm learning too. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for, yeah. for sharing. Thank you yourself. for your show. For, for being sincere, for sharing yourself for us. You know, God bless you. God bless you and your family. Uh, we really appreciate you. We appreciate your your truth, and we we only hope the best for you. Thank you so much. I only wish the best for you too, and I know I'll I'll just um you're unbreakable. You've had the show for a long time, and I see why. I see why your perseverance and your faith. Thank you so much for being true to to your purpose. Thank you so much. It's Thank really inspiring. We're going to give you okay, a little clap night. out right now. We're going to give you a little oh, clap okay. out. Here you go. <laughs> I'll give you a great balloons. night. I saw the balloons <laughs> and confetti. That was cool. Ooh, thank you. Thank you <laughs> love so you. Much bye-bye. For being here. Bye-bye. <laughs> well, you know, I want you guys really to remember her name. Leah Renee Kay, uh, quite a special human being. Um, part black, part white. Has children that are apparently more, more look more white. That's a that's a tough story, man. That's a really tough story to digest to live that life, to hear those stories. It it breaks your heart to hear how difficult it was to be not white enough, not black enough. I think, you know, me as being a mixed race myself, being half Japanese, half Sicilian, I understand I'm not Italian enough, I'm not Japanese enough. You know, it's like, I'm not comparing them as being the same, but it's, it's, 
I can see how they're very similar to where it's very difficult. It's like I, I just I, I just can't satisfy anybody. <laughs> and you want to satisfy everybody because you want to belong. Leah, thank you so much for being on our show today. It, you've, you've blessed us with your presence and with your insight and with your words of wisdom and your kindness and your empathy and your sincerity. And we appreciate you. I want all of you to remember one thing as we go off tomorrow and we discuss this, but defunding police. Defunding the police does not mean abolishing the police. Defunding the police department means reallocating money into different departments so it optimizes the police. As I said before, police officers, and you can ask any cop you know, any cop, they do not want to show up for mentally ill situations for like the mentally ill like schizophrenics and what have you. They don't want to show for those situations. We have to fix these problems. We have internal problems in our police department. And we need to fix it. We don't need to abolish the police department. We don't need to get rid of cops. But we need to defund them, which means reallocate. Defund means to reallocate the money into different places. We have a cop for every school, but we don't have a psychiatrist for every school. We have a cop for every school, but we don't have a gym teacher for every school. We need to reallocate this money in a different situation. New York gets $7 billion. California gets $1 billion. It's not an easy subject. If it was easy, it wouldn't be this difficult. We'll talk about it more tomorrow. But I want I want you to remember, every single one of you, before we go, and and we're gone now, but I love you all. I think about you all the time. How well you're doing, if your family's safe, if you're safe, if you're doing well. How are you doing during this pandemic? Are you washing your hands? Are you loving your neighbor? Are you reading that book? Are you writing that book? Are you watching that movie? Are you writing that movie? movie take care of yourself and remember we can only get past these times together as a family as a group as people that are all the same we can only get past these things together I love you all this has been Forgotten People I'm your host Steve Pisa Be well. Take care of one another. I love you all.